well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you're with me on the program today. We're going to be talking about the uh, hugely important decision by U.S. District Judge Cormac Carney in California, granting an injunction against each and every one of the challenged gun-free zones from the uh, California Rifle and Pistol Association, Gun Owners of America, Gun Owners Foundation, Gun Owners of California, Firearms Policy Coalition, San Diego County, Gun Owners PAC. Um, gosh, there might be one or two other organizations, I'm leaving out, Liberal Gun Owners Association, uh, as well as uh, individual plaintiffs, all challenging the uh, sensitive places portion of SB2. Now, that's one of several lawsuits that are underway against uh, SB2, which is slated to go into effect on January the 1st. We're going to talk about the big victory in uh, Judge Cormac Carney's courtroom with Alan Gottlieb of the Second Amendment Foundation here in just a moment. Before we do that, however, let's talk about this for a second. Joe Biden's America. It is crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink, as you well know. And a digital dollar could be coming on the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that is why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. Now, I wrote about uh, Judge Carney's decision uh, at Bearing Arms earlier today, but we're going to get into some of the details of this decision with Alan Gottlieb, uh, as well as some of the uh, other litigation taking on the other portions of SB2 that are slated to go into effect in a little more than a week. Take a look and a listen. Alan, thanks so much for coming on the program. It is great to have a present from uh, U.S. District Judge Cormac Carney, isn't it? It sure is, especially it's a great Christmas present for gun rights people to give to anti-gun Gavin or Newsom in California for Christmas. Uh, we're ecstatic about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I wrote uh, at Bearing Arms uh, earlier today that this is the post-Bruin decision that gun owners have been waiting for. You know, we have seen so many decisions. We've had some good decisions, don't get me wrong, since Bruin, but we've seen so many cases where, you know, judges have really just stretched these historical analogies uh, beyond the breaking point in order to uphold gun control laws, right? You've had a judge in Oregon say that uh, the state's ban on quote-unquote large capacity magazines is okay because, well, there was this 19th century law in Illinois that uh, forbade uh, you know, large gatherings of armed individuals. So that that's the same thing as a ban on high-capacity magazines. Judge Carney looked at all of these gun-free zones that California wanted to put in place, wants to put in place under SB2, looked at the analogs that the state offered and said, none of these are historically relevant. None of these fit the categories of, of bans that you want to put in place today. And every single challenged gun-free zone Judge Carney said, yep, I'm going to grant that injunction. Yeah, we had a total blowout victory. Uh, the whole law was taken down. Every sensitive place they tried to put in was taken down. Uh, and the judge really talked about how they were really just ignoring the Bruin decision uh, and and doing it in a way that was, quite frankly, an affront to, to the Constitution. 
Uh, I'm I'm really it's a great decision. What's interesting is the uh, anti-gun Democrats in California are trying to spin it that he was a federal appointee by George Bush. But what they don't want to talk about is the fact that he started out as a state court judge, that he was appointed by anti-gun Democrat Gray Davis. And the only reason he's probably got, I'm speculating, but the only reason he probably got on the federal bench is because that's the only person that George Bush could could, could go along with and get Democrats to uh, approve. So he's not exactly, you know, uh, a flaming conservative, so to speak. Uh, uh, this is a tremendous ruling. It is, and it's 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 insightful that the, the their first attack is going after the judge, right, for his supposed political leanings. Um, you know, we look, we talk about Biden appointed judges. We talk about Obama appointed judges. Um, and certainly I think that there are some judges who, uh, who do view things through a political lens, but, you know, look, we've seen the third circuit, for example, in range versus Garland, there were a number of Democrat appointees who said that Brian range's rights are being violated because he's a nonviolent felon. He's not a dangerous person. He should be able to keep and bear arms. We've seen some Republican appointed judges like uh, judge Karen Immergut in Oregon, who I just mentioned, uh, you know, uphold these gun control laws. Really, you know, forget about who appointed who and look to the rationale and the arguments that are being used in these decisions. And, you know, I think, again, Judge Carney gave a very thoughtful uh, approach and actually looked at all of these analogs that the state was offering. I wrote about this at, at Bering Arms earlier today, Alan. You know, in New Mexico, you've got a judge that said recently that Governor Grisham's ban on concealed carry in parks was likely to run afoul of the Constitution. But the ban on, on guns and playgrounds was likely OK because, well, playgrounds are like schools. Um, judge Carney took a look at the same provision in California and said, no, schools and playgrounds are very different things. When we drop our kids off at school, we as parents are, are entrusting the safety of our kids in the hands of these other adults. And in many of these locations, there might be armed adults there to protect our kids, unlike playgrounds where there is no extra layer of security. It's up to us to ensure that our kids are protected when they're at a playground. And he struck down uh, California's prohibition. That's the kind of thoughtful analysis and, and really looking for a true historical analog that I think has been, frankly, really lacking in a lot of these post-Bruin decisions that have upheld uh, a number of gun-free zones. Yeah, what's interesting is this is obviously the best sensitive place this decision we've gotten. It took out the whole law. Uh, and, you know, it's great. We have other cases going on and moving through the appeals courts, you know, in other jurisdictions as well. But also I'd like to bring back in California now, you know, we've knocked down their assault weapon ban. We've knocked down their ban on so-called high capacity magazines. Now you knock down the sensitive places. Uh, we've got three giant victories going out on. Of course, they're being appealed by the state of California. I'm sure this one will be as well. But you've got three giant victories in California right now. And uh, it's been quite a year. It in has been. Honesty, can't, yeah. In all honesty, the Second Amendment Foundation right now going on. We have 57 lawsuits going on, 14 of which were filed this year alone, uh, going going through the court system. And we've got a, a significant number of, of wins that the other side has to appeal. Uh, it's been a very good year post-Bruin, despite the fact that the uh, anti-gun lobby doesn't want to admit that Bruin's had a positive effect for us. It has. And as time goes on, it'll have a bigger and bigger effect. Absolutely. And, you know, like you, you brought up the Ninth Circuit. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. They, they have historically stayed every good decision that's come down the pike, right? Um, and that may very well be the case with Judge Carney's decision here today. But these decisions, the opinion by Judge Carney, this can get cited now. 
right? In, in, in other litigation, in other appeals, we now have a judge who truly gets it. Um, and so this language, I think, is going to impact not only California gun owners, but I think can have an impact on gun owners in Maryland, Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, all of these places where we've seen these post-Bruin infringements uh, where states you know, have said, OK, fine, we can't limit who can get a carry license, but now we're going to limit where they can carry. Um, th this, I think, goes a long way towards tearing down all of those barriers that have been erected around the country. Yeah, a lot of your, your the viewers may not realize it, but we have to now file a I think it's a 28J motion in all the 57 cases we've got going on around the country citing this particular victory uh, as, as additional information for judges making decisions in all the other cases. So the answers to your, your statement there is definitely yes, it does impact everything else uh, because we have to make sure all the courts know about it under, under law. You know, there are multiple lawsuits to uh, the various aspects of SB2, um, the uh, May versus Bonta and the uh, I think it's Corello versus Bonta. These these cases challenging the sensitive places aspect. But there's also um, lawsuits filed uh, with L.A. Sheriff's Department uh, uh, or uh, CRPA versus the L.A. Sheriff's Department um, challenging the you know licensing restrictions, the four figure fees that people have to pay in order to get a concealed carry license, the psychological tests that they may have to go through. Um, do you anticipate, or are we gonna get a, uh, a hearing on an injunction before those provisions take effect or is that likely to happen right after the new year? Uh, probably right after the new year uh, with the holidays coming up real quickly, it's tough. Uh, we're also plaintiff in those CRPA suits mm -hmm. for the California Rifle and Pistol Association, and they were also plaintiff in this one with us as well uh, on this federal judge striking down the sensitive places law. And we earlier this week, uh, along with CRPA, filed another suit in California uh, uh, challenging uh, their uh, re requirement to videotape every gun transaction that takes place in the state of California. And if you're you know, a licensed dealer that deals from your house, it's a big problem because you have to security 24-7 with everything being filmed and recorded. Uh, it's an invasion of the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment, as well as the state of California's constitution on privacy as well. And that was filed this week as well. So we, we, we've got a lot moving in California. I think roughly 15 of our 57 cases going on right now are all in the state of California. I mean, if that doesn't talk about and, you know, really lay out just how anti-gun and how opposed to this fundamental civil right, not only Governor Gavin Newsom, but the majority of lawmakers in Sacramento really are. I mean, that, that says a lot. Again, more than a dozen uh, of the uh, cases, uh, the 57 cases that SAF has active right now coming from just one state. And they're not getting the message, Alan. I mean, that's the sad thing, right? He, despite these great court decisions that we've seen, I don't think it's going to make a difference to the Democrat majority in Sacramento next year. I think they're going to come after gun owners just as hard as they have been. Oh, I think you're right. And of course, one of the things is they're tying up our budget pretty heavily and they know they're draining our funds and they like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that is the thing, right? We don't I, I wish we had a Michael Bloomberg on our side. Uh, I wish we had a billionaire who was willing to open up his checkbook uh, and, and, you know, write checks to organizations like the Second Amendment Foundation to to, you know, it'd be great if we had like every town law. It'd be great if we had SAF law, right? Your your own in-house law firm of uh, white shoe attorneys who could, you know, take on these laws. But we don't have that. That's not the world we live in. We live in a world in which you are dependent and other organizations are dependent on a grassroots army of Second Amendment advocates, gun owners across the country who are willing to stand up and fight for their rights, not only as named plaintiffs, 
but frankly, as supporters, as funders of these lawsuits, because it does take a lot of time and a lot of money to bring one of these legal challenges, particularly when you've got the state of California trying to stretch out these lawsuits as long as possible, right? They want to delay these cases from going to the Supreme Court. And so that means, you know, additional filings, additional hearings. We've seen the Ninth Circuit, you know, take cases and kick it back down to the trial court, even though we know what that judge is going to say. And all of that, again, is, is an attempt, I think, not only to delay the Supreme Court from hearing these cases, but as you say, to make it difficult, if not impossible, to actually have the funds to bring these cases forward to continue litigating. Yeah, our average case costs about a quarter of a million dollars. But what really sticks in my throat is, well, we have to go out and raise that money, you know, in $10, $15, $25 contributions. The state of California gets to use our tax dollars to file it, to file the cases against us, you know, and 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 defend these cases. So we're paying twice. We're paying for California's attack on our rights as well as having to raise the money to defend our rights. That's, That's what right. really sticks in my throat. Yeah. Well, and one of the laws that's being challenged in California um, was this insane standard that said, if you sue, if an organization like Second Foundation sues the state of California over a gun law, and let's say you allege, you know, five violations of, of uh, various rights, if you don't win on every one of those counts, you have to pay the state attorney's fees, right? You have to pay the attorney's fees for the state of California. Meanwhile, if you do win on every count, State of California doesn't have to pay your attorney's fees, right? It's a, it's, I mean, it's heads I win, tails you lose, according to Attorney General Rob Botta. That's the, that's the, the quote unquote level playing field that California wants to set up to challenge these anti-gun laws. Yeah, of course, that one that they passed in California, we've struck them down in court right now. So uh, again, that's another one of our court victories this year. But again, California, they don't want to play fair. They don't care what the Constitution says. They don't care about our rights at all. I mean, it, it, it's almost a third world banana country, the way they run their government, they're particularly against gun owners. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, listen, if folks do want to help, uh, because I know that we're going to have these cases continuing in the new year and you're going to be bringing more cases, right? We're talking about 57 active oh, cases yeah. right now, but who knows how many there's going to be when we talk this time next year. How can folks do that? How can they become a part of the Second Amendment Foundation and help to fund these lawsuits and hold these anti-gun states to account? Well, the best thing, easiest way to do it is to go to our website at saf.org and just join or donate on the website and also check out all the legal cases we've got. They're all listed there and the progress keeps getting reported on it. So all your viewers can, can really keep track of everything that's going on. Thank you, Cam. I really appreciate getting the opportunity to, to reach your viewers. Absolutely. But listen, I, I I love having you on the show. I love talking about uh, I love when we have good decisions to talk about. Right. And it's not <laughs> kind of picking apart these bad decisions. So I am very, very pleased that uh, we were able to have this conversation today. And I know that there are going to be more victories ahead to talk about in 2024. Uh, Alan, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for everything that you do uh, for our right to keep bare arms. It, it is, you know, truly what you do, I don't think we would be in the position that we are in today were it not for your activism. So thank you for all of your efforts over the years. Well, thank you, Cam. And let me tell you, it's been a lot of fun winning Farmers Freedom one lawsuit at a time. <laughs> That's right. And more victories to come. Alan Godley with the Second Amendment Foundation. Thanks so much for joining us on the program. And I look forward to talking to you again in the new year. Happy, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. My thanks once again to Alan Gottlieb for joining us on the program. Looking forward to catching up with him again in the new year. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. 
We'll start there with a story out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And I have to say, there there are, well, there's at least one positive aspect to this story. Boy allegedly breaks into nearly 200 cars. Mom takes him to turn himself in to police. So good job for mom. It sounds like she is having a lot of trouble keeping her son under control, however, because police report that the juvenile, um, quote, has a lengthy criminal history and is known to officers even before he allegedly broke into nearly 200 cars, along with a couple of uh, other juveniles, at uh, quote-unquote luxury apartments in Charlotte. Police are also looking for a 19-year-old Hannah Jana Freeman, who drove away from officers in one of the uh, vehicles that had been stolen. Uh, she could face more than 100 criminal violations when she is uh, caught. On Monday, uh, one day before the uh, boy turned himself in, Police say he, along with Freeman and an unknown third suspect, broke into 100 cars near Charlotte's Dilworth neighborhood. Reports show they allegedly broke into 92 cars at the Camden-Dilworth Apartments, eight other cars at the 1010-Dilworth Apartments. December 14th, they allegedly drove around the South Park area, breaking into 84 cars, including five at a local mall, two across from a mall, 26 vehicles at an apartment complex, 18 at another apartment complex. I mean, this is ridiculous here. The uh, juvenile's now been charged with breaking into a motor vehicle, larceny after breaking in, and conspiracy to break in. But despite his, quote-unquote, lengthy criminal history, despite the fact that he's known to officers, despite the fact that he's accused of breaking into 200 vehicles, when police requested a secure custody order, meaning that he would stay in the custody of the juvenile detention facility, the Department of Juvenile Justice said no and sent him back home with his mom who, again, might be trying to teach her son to do the right thing by taking him to the police to say, yeah, yeah I, I, I did this, but clearly is not able to keep her son under control. I no, no offense to mom here. I don't know if she's a good mom, a bad mom, and a different mom. I don't know. But what I do know is that if this juvenile has a lengthy criminal history and now is accused of breaking into 200 cars, it doesn't seem like mom is able to keep him under control. And so maybe Remaining in custody is the appropriate step here, one that is uh, sadly not being taken. Today's armed citizen story from Houston, Texas, where a a robbery suspect was fatally shot by an employee. Um, Well, he crashed into a car or he crashed into a a bus. We're not sure if the uh, gunshot wound or the car crash was the uh, cause of his death, but uh, we do know he was sent scrambling after uh, he encountered an armed citizen during this robbery attempt. The robbery reported around 1.15 at a uh, dollar store. Harris County Sheriff Ed Gonzalez says the man robbed the store and an employee discharged his weapon at the suspect, possibly striking him. Deputies say the suspect then fled the scene in a sedan and collided with a Metro Houston bus about a block away. According to a Metro Houston, the bus had five passengers and an operator on board when the crash happened. No serious injuries reported. Bus driver was treated at the scene and then taken to a hospital to be checked out. Uh, The sheriff says the suspect was taken to the hospital in critical condition where he was pronounced dead. Uh, No charges expected against the uh, armed citizen who, again, acted in self-defense, but we'll keep our eyes open for any more details. Finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place at the right time, wasn't able to do the right thing. A surgeon working out at a, a gym in the Minneapolis area who happened to save a woman's life. This was in uh, Egan, Minnesota. Thuong Nguyen was uh, working out at Lifetime Fitness. Her daughter, uh, Van Trong, says she was walking on the treadmill, and all of a sudden, she collapsed. 
Now, a lot of the staff at Lifetime Fitness apparently are CPR certified. So there were some employees who immediately came to her aid, started using uh, CPR. There was a defibrillator there. Um, but as it turns out, there's also a surgeon um, who apparently does not want his name shared publicly. But uh, Nguyen's daughter says he does want to stop by and meet us. He's willing to stop by and check up on her. Uh, that unidentified surgeon spoke to WCC over the phone saying, quote, I feel very blessed that something that could have turned out much more poorly has turned out the way it has. So I'm very grateful that I was there. When uh, Nguyen was taken to the hospital after suffering that cardiac event, doctors discovered that she had a genetic heart condition that her children can now get tested for. The uh, surgeon, who again, doesn't want to be identified, doesn't want to make this about uh, themselves, but he is also urging people to be aware uh, of where these defibrillators are located when you're working out or at another facility, he says they're idiot-proof, which is good for me to hear, uh, and can be the difference between life and death and emergency. In this case, again, not only did you have uh, trained staff members at the gym, but you had a medical professional in the right place at the right time and unable to step in and save a woman's life there in Egan, Minnesota. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company, but I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always, and I'm looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow, our uh, final Cam and Company of the year. Going to be off next week, but uh, we will have a show on Friday since I was off on Monday. You know, I don't want to shortchange anybody. So uh, we'll be back with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. And make sure you check out BearingArms.com throughout the day. We're keeping you up to date on all of the news impacting your right to keep and bear arms, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It is nice to have some good news to report, though, isn't it? Anyway, we'll see you again here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.